0: Jesus Christ is himself the ultimate sign and embodiment of God's covenant with creation. God's promise to faithfully provide for and not to destroy what he has made. As we read in Genesis, God gives the rainbow to Noah after the flood as a reminder of his covenant with. Faithfulness. And then God comes to us in the person of Jesus to be the very presence and fulfillment of that covenant in our midst. As we just heard in the gospel reading, as Jesus is in the wilderness being tempted by Satan, Mark adds this really strange and striking statement. I'm sure you noticed it. He says he was he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. It's a strange and maybe random statement we might think. But I think it it, it indeed commands our attention. And if we're paying attention and thinking about this larger story of which we're a part and that Jesus enters into, we might see this reference to to the wild beast as a sort of recapitulation, as a sort of hearkening back to, to the creation story itself. The story of Adam in the garden, tending to and naming all of the animals that God brought before him. In a sort of rightly ordered harmony. And now we know with Adam these beautifully ordered creation was disrupted by disobedience, by the, the destructive presumption that we, we didn't need God to order our lives. And that presumption brought chaos and greed and brokenness flooding into the world. Humanity's relationship with, with the beast's And with each other, and most of all with God, torn asunder, put out of whack. And this is really the history of how things have gone for us as humans. The more we try to fix things of our own effort, the more we mess things up. Our solutions are never big enough or comprehensive enough. And really, it is our hubris that, that thinks that we can save the world through technology or ingenuity alone. And yet, even as this brokenness floods into the world, we are reminded from the story of Noah this morning that God's faithfulness is interwoven throughout this whole messy history. And in the fullness of time, into this clamorous swirl of brokenness and ill-fitting fixes comes Jesus. The new Adam. The one in whom God is well pleased. And the one in whom God's righteous and reordering reign his kingdom comes in full and in his temptation in his being in the wilderness with the wild beasts and the angels we get just a glimpse of of the scope of this beloved son's calling it's as if he's kind of holding the wild beasts with one hand and the angels with another. And in that, we get a glimpse of what Paul is getting at in Colossians that this man is, in fact, the one through whom all things exist and the one in whom all things hold together. In his going into the wilderness and facing down the destructive forces that tempt us all toward selfishness and greed and pride. These things that alienate us from ourselves, from the rest of creation, and from God, our Creator. In Jesus' spirit-led, faithful endurance of these temptations, he not only shows us a better way to follow, But he, in fact, began in that moment the reweaving of the fabric of creation that had been frayed by our best and worst efforts. Jesus Christ is the eternal connective, the binding link between the vast realms of creation. From the wild beast's of the field, to the angels and archangels and all the company of heaven. And he is also the thread that reweaves the torn fabric of our own hearts and lives. In him, all of these things hold together. And in this movement that he makes from the waters of baptism into the wilderness for 40 days and back onto the scene, proclaiming this promised kingdom of God at hand. In this movement, he displays this wholeness and flourishing before our very eyes. And he shows us these things in many ways Quietly, unobtrusively, in ways that we would not expect. And that's because Jesus Christ comes not to bring the one sort of technical change that was the one missing piece we were needing to finally get things right. Rather, Jesus comes to fundamentally reorder our hearts and our lives. the ashen cross that we receive on our forehead on Ash Wednesday, that is the necessary starting point for us. The sometimes dreadful and all too poignant recognition of our own mortality, our creatureliness, our utter inability to be responsible for our own preservation. But once we start there, we are immediately beckoned to turn up our eyes, to repent and believe. For the kingdom of God has come near in one who brought the whole world into existence. in one who astoundingly submitted himself to death's grip but who death could not hope to hold. He became one with the dust that he made in order to remake it all, including our lives. And in this season of Lent, the church bids us to turn our eyes not Not primarily to our own sinfulness, but primarily to this one who endured temptation on our behalf and who covers over all our faults. In this 40 day journey that we enter into, now we are exhorted not so much to try harder or to punish ourselves by removing chocolate or Facebook from our lives but to take up these disciplines as a way of sort of clarifying our loves, and maybe in many cases revealing the ambiguity of our devotion. To take these things up in order to help us to lean ever more fully on the sufficiency of this one who completed the journey that we could not, who walked in, these 40 days and so much more in faithfulness. So as we turn our eyes toward Him this season, may we be enlivened by this expansive vision of wholeness and flourishing that we see in Him. And which He indeed holds out For us and invites us into as we open our lives to Him. Amen.